John chapter 16 is where we're going to be. Uh, it seems like we've um, uh, been in John for a while, and that's because we have, and yet we've been considerably blessed to think about all that the Word of God has to share with us. Uh, this morning, we are looking at a sermon entitled, The Spirit of Truth. We're going to read, uh, actually, verses 5 through 14, but our focus for today is just going to be on three, uh, three, uh, four verses, I'm sorry, 12 through uh, 15. And so, um, let's go ahead, if you would, if you found your place and copy in the Word of God, would you stand for the honor of reading God's Word together, recognizing that the Spirit has spoken to us through the Word of God, that God Himself is speaking to us as we read His words. We remember Jesus is speaking to his disciples right before his crucifixion. He's, he's with them. He's teaching them. He's encouraging their troubled hearts. And he's speaking to them. And here's what he says. He says, but now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you, and he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me, and concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me, and concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he... The spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. First Baptist Church of Great Gables, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord endures forever. Let's go to the Lord and thank him for his word. Lord, we do humbly consider ourselves unworthy to hear your word. And yet you and your mercy and grace have given us such a gift in speaking to us and writing this love letter to your people containing in it, as we looked in our kids' time, of all things pertaining to life and godliness. Lord, to warn us of danger, the danger of our sin, the danger of ourselves and to point us towards the hope we find in Christ. And Lord, as we examine your word now, I pray that you would speak to us through your word, that we would value the word of God as it is complete and final. And Lord, you would use it in our lives to mold us into your image. We, um, we pray all these things uh, based on knowing who you are and trusting in the character and the work of Christ. It's in his name we pray, amen, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. Well, if you remember last week, if you hear last week in the previous passage, Jesus taught us about the role or the ministry of the Holy Spirit as it pertains to the world around us. Uh, in verses 1 through 11, we learn that the Spirit really has a threefold ministry as it concerns the world. He convicts the world of sin, remember, particularly the sin of unbelief. Uh, he convicts the world of righteousness, in particular its lack of righteousness or its need for the perfect righteousness, which is found only and alone through the Lord Jesus Christ. And then finally, he convicts the world uh, of judgment, of the truth that there is a coming judgment that we ought to take heed that we are ready for the coming judgment. Well, as we approach the passage that's before us this morning, we come to hear what the scriptures teach us about the Spirit's role within the church. 
You see, the Spirit not only has a work or ministry of convicting the world for its need of the Lord Jesus Christ, but it has a ministry uh, within us, His people as well, within those who have already come to the Lord Jesus Christ, those being His church. Uh, regarding this twofold ministry of the Spirit, I, I read this and it kind of stuck out to me, uh, and I want you to hear it from Dr. William Hendrickson. He says it like this He says, The home base is just as important as the mission field. The home base is just as important as the mission field. And what, what he means by that, and something that's been on my heart recently that I want to share with you before we dig into the text, is that in our work for the advancement of the kingdom of God on the earth, we need to be careful not to overemphasize one ministry over or against another. Uh, you, you see, some churches... Uh, some ministries, they make too much of one particular ministry in neglect towards other ministries. For example, some place an emphasis on doing evangelism and, and getting various other ministries involved in evangelism. And that's, that's a good thing, right? It's, it's our charge to share the gospel with the nations, isn't it? And yet, sometimes they can be so consumed with evangelism that they neglect the health and discipleship of the flock they already have. Seeking to go out and find more sheep, the under-shepherds tend to neglect the sheep that are already part of the fold. Yet, as well, there are other congregations who die because they aren't reaching out to those outside the doors of the church. Sure, the, the sheep that are in the fold are, are fat and happy and discipled, but there is more to a healthy church than just being fed. Healthy sheep should be getting fed and then using that nourishment to go out and do the work of the kingdom. See, the Holy Spirit has a, has a twofold ministry. It has a one outside the church and one inside. And so, so we ought to as well participate in his ministry by striving to have a good balance between these two things. Always being careful to not neglect the one for the sake of the other. We need to be a church that is all about evangelism and all about discipleship. Not neglecting discipleship because we're focused on getting people in the doors and not neglecting evangelism because we're focused on uh, building our own brains uh, with doctrine that's not productive, active fruit of doctrine. That's the type of church we want to be because it models the ministry of the Holy Spirit, how he is in the world, convicting the world of sin and righteousness and judgment, and he is in the church doing the work we're going to look at in our text this morning. So let's turn to our text this morning. And Jesus, again, is still with his disciples. Remember, it is the day before uh, he is about to go to the cross. He has given them much to think about, much to consider. And he says to them this in verse 12. He says, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. That's an interesting text, isn't it? So there was more that Jesus actually had to say to his disciples in his presence, but they couldn't bear it at that time. Now, I want to, to say something really quick here, because a lot of people tend to use this term or this phrase, this wording to say, you see, God will never give you more than you can handle. I, I don't think that's what this verse means. And actually, that phrase is one of those phrases we think is in the Bible, but it's actually not. Friends, there are many times God will give you more than you can handle. But here's the good thing. He won't give you more than 
he can't handle. Because there's nothing that he can't handle. And so in the times where he gives you more than you can handle, the responsibility of a Christian is to grow ever dependent on the perfect one, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is never overwhelmed but always overcomes. Uh, And so I want to say that, but it's clear at this point in the disciples' lives in this particular issue, in this account, they could not bear any more teaching from Jesus right now. But I think part of the reason for that is because they weren't in a good frame of heart or right state of mind. There were a lot of things going on in their lives. They couldn't bear any more. Jesus knew that. They they were overwhelmed at this point. But there's more to consider concerning this readiness to receive more revelation from the Lord Jesus. Turning to William Hendrickson, once again, we learn something quite valuable. He says this. He says, redemptive acts generally proceed full redemptive revelation. Let's say that again. He says redemptive acts generally precede full redemptive revelation. And he offers us a couple illustrations to make that point. He says, thus the doctrine with respect to the cross does not attain to full development until Jesus has been crucified. The the full significance of the work of the Holy Spirit is not made known until the Spirit has been poured out, etc., And this very fact, namely that the Holy Spirit has not taken up his personal abode in the church, made it impossible to give any further revelation at this time during this night. In other words, what he's saying here is something had to happen before God could give them the rest of the revelation. That's the point. The disciples weren't ready to receive any more information on their part because it wouldn't have made sense to them at this time. There was much more for them to know, but they couldn't bear it. What they actually needed more than anything is what Jesus says in the previous verse. They needed Jesus to go to the cross. After the cross, after the resurrection, after the ascension, then they would be taught by the Holy Spirit. And that teaching would make more sense to them in light of the redemptive acts already having been accomplished. It's sort of like saying that hindsight's twenty twenty. We like to say that, that saying a lot, right? Jesus knew that it would be better to first of all finish the work and act of redemption and then provide them with the teaching they needed to understand the implications of his work in redemption. Then the disciples would know and understand why Jesus tied his death and his resurrection to the destruction of the temple which they didn't understand at the time. They would know why Jesus tied the relationship of his death and resurrection to things like the fulfillment of the ceremonial law. All of those things that were associated with the old covenant having been fulfilled would would come to make sense only after Jesus fulfilled them. It is then that they could come back and say, oh, the, the, the Spirit doing his ministry among them. Now we understand what Jesus meant. Now we can see what he was saying. Speaking about this mode of teaching and understanding, uh, Charles Spurgeon put it into this words. Anyway, time I say the words Charles Spurgeon, if you're like me, your ears perk up, right? The man was a genius and used by God in mighty ways. He said this, he says, There are some things which some of you young Christians do not know. You could not bear them if you did know them. (laughs) We We hate to admit that, but it's true. You shall know them when you can bear them. A man with a doctrine that he cannot handle is often like a child with a tough piece of meat which he cannot bite. 
Give the child milk or the crumb of the loaf. Do not put crust into his mouth until he has teeth to bite them. Do not give him meat until he can digest it. See the gentle Savior's way of imparting instruction. He teaches us much, but not too much at a time. Our Lord is gracious in this way, friends, and that's an encouragement to us. If, if you're in the mindset that, man, I wish I knew more about the Scriptures, that's a good desire to have. But let me tell you, friends, we will always be a student of Jesus. We will always be learning about his gospel and his word. We will never arrive in that sense, but Jesus is merciful and gracious and he's patient with us as we learn. He truly is a marvelous savior. So Jesus has more that he wants to say to the disciples, but having acknowledged that they weren't quite ready yet, he goes on to say something about how he's going to convey these truths to him. He says in verse 13 at the beginning, he says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. This verse goes hand in hand with what Jesus said to them back in John 14, verse 26. There, Jesus says this, he said, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. See, Jesus had more to say to them, and, and he would at a later time through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. This is what he means when he speaks about the coming of the Holy Spirit and his role in guiding them into all the truth. Now, this is one of those scriptures that is very important for us that, that we take reference to the second person pronoun in verse 13. Look at that with me. It's, it's very important. Friends, listen, if we fail to appreciate the fact that Jesus is speaking here in this context to a select few about something that would only apply to them, if we miss that, we might be misled in our understanding and come up with all kinds of wrong applications as does exist in the church of Christ today. Jesus is speaking primarily to the apostles and what he has to say to them in verse 13. That verse is not necessarily a verse for you. It's a, it's a verse for the apostles. It's a, it's a verse for you because of what he says to the apostles. But the personal pronoun you in verse 13, it's not to all believers in general, but to the apostles in particular. And for those of you who have been with us on Wednesday night, you know that very well. Taken together with the passage we saw in chapter 14, we can safely conclude that there is a non-repetitive aspect of the ministry of the Spirit that applies exclusively to the apostles. Jesus is referring to the role of the Holy Spirit and the role he would play in being inspired to commit the writings and the teachings they've received from Jesus. Jesus is referring to the role that the apostles would play in being inspired by his Holy Spirit to commit the writings and teachings they've received from Jesus into the scriptures. Right? We know those writings. Those writings are, of course, the Old and, and New Testament. Uh, specifically to the apostles, it's the New Testament. It's, it's interesting to note the fact that the Spirit's going to be the one who will guide them into all this truth. The fact that they would be guided into the truth, it assures us that the work of the Spirit in their lives would come to a point of completion in that particular ministry. In other words, 
the Spirit continually disclosing new revelation to believers is not something that's going to be an ongoing, never-ending work that was given to the apostles. Rather, it would be a work that would be completed and it would include all the truth we will ever need for faith and life. Uh, To go a step further, this also means that there will never be any more need for a further revelation from God than what we have in the scriptures. Because God has given us and he had committed all truth, as he says in that verse, to his church through the work of the apostles. This revelation from God, friends, it's perfect and it's complete. There's no need to add anything to what God has already revealed to us in the scriptures. It contains everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. And so, therefore, it is fully, absolutely, and completely sufficient for your life. This means, friends, there's, there's no need for us to look for other ways to hear from God. And... I say that because the sad reality is that some aren't content with this fact. And so what they think verse 13 means is that it applies to them. They believe that that God continues to give his people new revelation from heaven. Church family, we say this all the time. This is why it's important that we read and preach the scriptures in their context. Because there could be little doubt that these people have good intentions uh, they, they really do, in my opinion, think and want to hear from the Lord. They, they want to know his will. That's a good desire. But the thing they fail to appreciate is that God has already spoken to us all that he ever intended to say to us. The scriptures, the Old and New Testament, they are God's complete revelation. Com- it contains everything we need to hear from God. And so we should... Learn to appreciate the following saying. I I think we, I put this on my Facebook page this week. It's just so good from Justin Peters. He says, if you want to hear God speak to you, read your Bible. If you want to hear God speak to you audibly, read it out loud. (laughs) We have the full revelation of God. There is no need for us to seek another means or way of hearing what he has to say to us. Another important point for us to keep in mind is, is this emphasizes the job and role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's role is to speak about Jesus. Listen to me. You need to hear this. The Holy Spirit is not setting out or seeking out ever to glorify himself. The Holy Spirit always in his ministry and responsibility seeking the glorification of the Son. His ministry is to take the words of Jesus, not his own words given by the gift of tongues or given by the gift of dreams, but his job is to take the words of Jesus and give them to his church. To give us understanding so we can apply that word to our everyday lives that we might join in the Holy Spirit's role of glorifying and bringing glory to Jesus. Friends, listen to me. It's all about Jesus. Uh, If you haven't got that yet, it is all about Jesus. The church, it's all about Jesus. The ministry of the church, it's all about Jesus. The redemption of the church, it's all about Jesus. He is the focus of all ministry. He needs to be the focus of everything that we do on a daily basis. 
This passage then should be a wake-up call to those who are tempted to place more emphasis on the charismatic gifts than they do the teaching and redemptive works of Jesus Christ found in his word. Listen, in a worship service, Jesus is the one that is exalted. Not particular gifts, not particular tongues, not particular dreams or interpretation, but Jesus is the one who should be front and center receiving glory. Uh, Gordon Ketty, uh, one of my favorite commentators, his little book of John, uh, uh, the commentary of John has been one of the tremendous blessings of my life. He's a Scottish Presbyterian pastor. He has a very good comment to make on this. He says, the hallmark of the Holy Spirit's work is that it always issues in the glory for Jesus Christ. That's his goal, and in retrospect, the proof of his guidance and influence. People who claim to be moved by the Spirit to do things that manifestly degenerate Jesus Christ. For example, predicting the day of the Lord's return only for nothing to happen or leaving a spouse because God wants me to be happy. They are exposed as at best sincerely misguided and at worst dangerously deluded. It was not the Spirit that led them into that kind of truth. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. It is impossible to deny the implications that all we truly do in the Spirit will likewise give glory of Christ. Whether our preaching, our witness, our works, our words, our love for our neighbor, and so on, when the Spirit is in it, glory shines for our Lord. What a tremendous, tremendous word. Friends, it's important. We have such a misunderstanding of the Holy Spirit in our day and age. We view him really as our Jiminy Cricket, uh, who, who always wants to appease our own flesh and never would want to do anything that would make our sinful flesh unhappy. Friends, that's opposite of the Holy Spirit's responsibility. The Holy Spirit is placed in you to put sin in your flesh to death and so that you would have the power and grace and everything you need through the enlightening work of Jesus Christ through his word to live for Christ. We have to understand this because this is what often happens in our practice in this. We, we don't want to obey the Bible. And so because we have some sort of understanding that the Holy Spirit is God, we at least claim that as truth. We say, well, that's not true. I, this can't be true because what, what I'm feeling on the inside is telling me different. Friends, the Holy Spirit will never contradict the word of God. Ever. He wrote it. <laughs> it's his book. And it is all things he gives to us. He will never go back on his word. This is him speaking to you. Our response to it is to simply obey. To die to self on a daily basis. Ask for grace and mercy and obey the words of our Lord. Let's move on now to verse 13 through 15 here. In, in chapter 16. Let's read it, uh, verse 13 again. It said, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he takes of mine, and I will disclose, or, and will disclose it to you. Now listen, it is certainly the case... That we have been given all the information that God has ever deemed we need to know through the holy word of God. However, that's not to say that there isn't further ministry of the Holy Spirit to be done in the church. There is an ongoing ministry of the Spirit to reveal to us the truth of the word of God. 
we have to know this. There's an ongoing ministry of the Spirit in his illuminating or enlightening the truth of his word to our hearts and minds. Kids, just like our illustration that we saw this morning, he is that light that goes on, that opens our eyes to cast out the darkness and to help us see Jesus, to help us to see his gospel and to understand the words of his message as they're found in his word. Friends, family, we need this ministry, the Holy Spirit, because because left to ourselves, you and I would never understand his word. Uh, When mankind fell, the Bible says that our minds and our hearts were darkened. The Apostle Paul puts it like this in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 21. He says, So this I say, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk, in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. That Paul is so nice, isn't he? He puts it in such a lovely, peaceful way. Because of the hardness of their heart, and they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of of impurity with greediness but you did not learn Christ in this way if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him just as the truth is in Jesus we read earlier brother Judd from first Corinthians chapter 2 I'll point it out again just verse 14 where he says but a natural man does not accept the things of the spirit of God for their foolishness to him and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised The Holy Spirit's ministry to us today involves his leading us to understand and to apply the normative truths of Scripture. In other words, his role is to teach us how to apply the Word of God. He's not giving us any more than he has already given in the Old and New Testaments. And friends, if we think we've mastered those things... And we need newer revelation, then we're seriously deluded. Church, it's going to take us forever to master the truths we've already been given in the internal word of God. How dare we look for more? The Spirit's ministry is to then disciple us by the word of God. And in this discipling function... Jesus is glorified because ultimately he is the one who is our teacher. Even though we don't see him physically, he is with us and teaching us by his spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit's primary ministry is to glorify Jesus Christ. This is why we're told that the spirit will will take what belongs to Jesus, his words, and make it known to the apostles. Then through those apostles, the writings of the apostles, the world will receive the holy scriptures. We we learn something here, that, that the truth contained in the word of God is inseparable from the truth of God as it's revealed to us in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they are the God of truth. He is the God of truth, to not be heretical. They've chosen to reveal the truth to us through Christ. You cannot know the true and living God unless you know him through Jesus. You can have all kinds of vague ideas of what God should be or what the God of your mind is, but until you know God through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, friends, you don't know him. See, the purpose of God's revelation is that we might see 
and behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ as he's revealed to us in his word. Some people read the scriptures and they read them at at purely an academic level. They're interested by them. They appreciate the antiquity of the writings. They enjoy learning about the ancient customs and and cultures. They get joy out of that. Others, Others read the scripture because they like the good moral lessons that are found in them or they like the poetry of the Psalms. But, but friends, while those things are, are nice, they might be nice without understanding the chief purpose behind God giving us this revelation, we lose. If, if we're going to fully appreciate the grand purpose behind God giving us his Bible, then we must see Jesus Christ in it. The main purpose behind God giving us this revelation from heaven is that we would see how all of it, from Genesis to Revelation, all of the Bible points to this glorious Savior, Jesus. All of Scripture points to him. It always has and it always will. Jesus said earlier in this gospel, when he said to the Jews in John 5, 39, he says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me. We also read those words in the gospel of Luke where Jesus is walking with disciples on the road to Emmaus. And we read this in verse 27. He says, then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained, he exposited, he preached to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. The ministry of the Spirit should never be divorced from the glory of Jesus found in the word of God. Commenting again of this Holy Spirit uh, in his relation to the revelation of God's word, we've got a couple quotes and then we'll close. I, I want you to see Pastor Ketty put it like this. He said, this is not to be interpreted as carte blanche to claim divine sanction for extra biblical doctrines and practices. Too many people attribute their deep personal persuasion to the Holy Spirit and insist these must be God's will. The measure is always to the law and the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, it is because there's no light in them, Isaiah 8.20. So we are not at liberty in the name of the Holy Spirit to treat our inner impulses as if they are equal to or advance upon the scriptures. Hence, the eminently sound statement of the Westminster Confession of Faith in chapter 1, section 10, where it says, the supreme judge by which all controversies of religion are to be determined and all decrees of councils, opinions of ancient writers, doctrines of men and private spirits are to be examined and whose sentence we are to rest can be no other but the Holy Spirit speaking in the scriptures. Now, listen, in light of that fact, I want you to see something in our text as we close. The Holy Spirit doesn't take it upon himself to speak his own words. He doesn't. You won't find that. But instead, the Holy Spirit only repeats what he and the Son have received from the Father. Friends, that that hit me. (laughs) Because, Because we, as people of God's word, and specifically Brother Justin and I, as preachers of God's word, we should do likewise. In fact, All preachers should strive to be repeaters of what they glean from the word of God. Speaking from long ago, uh, Charles Spurgeon once again says, he says, 
We have men nowadays straining to be original. Strain the other way. For listen, this is our text, he shall not speak of himself. Listen, not even the Holy Spirit speaks of himself. He shall not speak of himself, but so whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak. He is the repeater of the Father's message, not the inventor of his own. So let it be with us, his ministers. We are not to make up a gospel as we go along, as I've heard some say. We are not to shape it to the times in which we live and suit it to the congregations to which we speak. God forbid. Let this be true of every one of us. He shall not speak of himself, but whatever, whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. Friends, there's a main application here for us. The Bible is crystal clear and the Spirit of God is crystal clear as it pertains to the Word of God. Jesus is crystal clear. This has everything you need. In the world and culture where consumerism is rampant, where we're always looking for something new, something improved, and we think we can attest that to revelation, friends, far be it. We have the complete and final word of God. The question is, what do we do with it? How often do we study it? The question is, the scriptures aren't lacking here. That's not the problem, friends. If you aren't finding hope or you aren't finding everything you need for life and godliness in the scriptures, the Bible's not the problem. We are. So what we need to do in the midst of that is we need to study, we need to be involved in our church families, we need to go to our Sunday school classes and we need to say, here's where I'm wrestling, here's what I'm looking for, here's where I'm struggling finding hope in today. Can someone show me in the scriptures this hope in life? Can someone show me in the scriptures what, what God's will is for my life? How can I know it to be true? Friends, that's, that's what God has given the church for as well. To help each other. To, you're not supposed to do this alone. We go together here and we study the scriptures together. But so quick are we to abandon the Bible because oftentimes we're, we're lazy. Let's be honest. Speaking of myself here, we're lazy and we want to go immediately to feeling or to some sort of charismatic, mystical thing to give us a shortcut and just tell us what to do. You ever think that maybe what the Lord desires for your life is for you to step aside from your problems, dig deep into his word so you can know his character, his nature, who he is, and what he's done, and then he'll give you the right frame of mind to address the problem? This is how we apply God's word to our lives, friends. It's by the Spirit of God, but it will never, ever happen if we don't read it. It'll never happen if we don't meditate upon it. It'll never happen if we don't treasure it. Friends, it is a, a tremendous treasure that God has decided to speak in human language to us in his word. My prayer for us today is that we truly would be a people who long for the word of God who dig deep in their study of the word of God, who hold each other accountable to do such things, and you just watch 
what God does. You watch what God does because we know that his spirit is powerful. But friends, his spirit isn't powerful in the way where he makes people dance and run and do silly things. His spirit is powerful because in enlightening the scriptures work into our lives, we're able to live for him. Real lasting change takes place through the spirit of God, through the word of God. He is a powerful spirit. So we ought to submit to him in love and truth, asking for grace along the way. Amen. Amen. Please join together your hearts with me in prayer as we close. Father, Lord, forgive us. We don't value your word. We as a, as a people, we as a nation, we as a species do not value the gift of the word of God. And yet, Father, you are so gracious to us that it's here. All we have is here in your word. That you've given us all that we need. That you've left nothing out for us. So, Father, for those of us who are wrestling and struggling or those of us who are looking for something new, Oh, Lord, would you convict our hearts? Lord, we're thankful that something new you do give us each morning is your mercy because we're in desperate need of it. Father, may we begin to value the word. May we begin to understand the Spirit's work in the word. Oh, would you just cover us with your grace? We need help. Father, it's okay to need help. It's okay to be dependent. It's okay to submit. In fact, you desire it. So Father, would you help us be a people of your word? And we trust that your spirit is gonna use that because your word is sufficient and you are good. We pray that First Baptist Church of Grey Gables would be a church that understands the Spirit's work in the Word, that you'd use that, Lord, not even just within the walls of this church, but outside of the walls of this church for the sake of the gospel, for the advancement of the kingdom, for your glory. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.